from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome, one and all, to the Wow Report here on Radio Andy. I am Tom Campbell. I'll be your host today, filling in for Fenton Bailey, our fearless leader who's in Europe, making the world go wow. Um, joining us this week, as he does every week, it's Club Kid turned best-selling author, the editor of the Wow Report itself, James St. James. Well, hello. Nice to see you. Nice to be seen. And uh, coming from the background into the light is none other than Blake Jacobs, our millennial producer, which used to mean he was young, and now it just means he's a millennial. And uh, Jake... Middle-aged, middle-aged. Millennials are growing older every day as we speak. And Blake just had a birthday, too, so he is ancient now. How old are you now, Blake? 40. Holy crap. Blake is 40. Forever 39. (laughs) And we say you're a baby. You're a baby still. Anyway, each week we count down the top 10 things in pop culture that make us go, Wow. And we're ready to do it now, uh, starting with number 10. Number 10. We pre-taped last week's show um, earlier in the week because Fenton was traveling. And we missed maybe the top story of the week if you're a homosexual or you're, 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 you're just a, a person who loves theater. And that was the passing of Dame Angela Lansbury. Wow, it really hurt. This was this was one that, that when I saw the news, literally tears were streaming down my face. It really, oh. really got to me. Now you weren't surprised well, of her age. So, I mean, no, she was ninety six, so it's a life well lived. And when someone is ninety six, you don't you aren't saddened by it, but you just it's it's a passing. It's a it's a milestone, and it's a, a chunk of your life that's that's just gone. Absolutely, and there's really. No other star ever, I believe, that had the longevity and the almost slow burn. She never. She was famous. You know, she was in movies in the in the golden age of Hollywood in the forties. She was in Gaslight. She was in all those movies. She her her, in, her first two um, roles, Gaslight, and the, she got nominated for an Oscar. And she was like twenty one, something like that. Exactly. She was just a young slip of a girl. Yes. But you know how some stars will peak, they'll have their five years, their 10 years, their definitional, and they and then they kind of become stuck in that mode. She was part of the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. She was the mother and the Manchurian candidate. And then when, she took- and you've got to point out that when she was the mother, she she was um, playing opposite her, her co-star, her son. She was only five years older than her son, wasn't she? Which is the key to success too? Is to look, is to play old, young, and then play it the rest of your life. Yes, yeah, she was. She she was somebody who looked old even when she was in her thirties. She was playing like yes. 50, 60 year old women. The toast of Broadway in in uh, in Mame. Ah, oh, uh, just with B. Arthur. Yes, yes, the musical. And then you know there is the story that uh, someone brought to my attention that in the in the late sixties. Um, her kids were getting involved in drugs and one daughter in particular was kind of hanging out with the Mansons. And so she plucked the family and moved to like Ireland to where her grandmother was from and sort of stepped away from show business for a bit. 
but well, save but, but no, family. You really have to lean into that story because the daughter was hanging out with a guy who was very unsavory and uh, and very creep, creepy crazy, and he was having her steal from Angela and steal from her purse, steal yes. food for him, and then come to find out after she fl- she she got her daughter away from this creepy guy that it was Charles Manson. Yes. <laughs> Who was who was hanging out with the bar? And you got to think, you know, Charles Manson was also hanging out with Doris Day's son. He was also with the Beach yes. Boys. I mean, he he, he was, was targeting, really infiltrating the Hollywood famous yeah. children. All of that before there was you know, reality television. Just, there was Charles before Manson. You, before sorry. we go on to a little bit more of her career, um, there was a story in the Daily Mail that I sent to both of you that John Waters was giving an interview, and he said that in the eighties he ran into Angela Lansbury at the Hellfire Club in New York. Now I lived above the Hellfire Club, and the Hellfire Club was a seedy, seedy, seedy sex club. It was an SM sex club that was just literally every time you turned around, there was, you know, a penis in your hand or someone was licking your boots or someone was sniffing at your butthole. I mean, like, you could, no matter, I mean, seeing Angela Lansbury there is just one of those great incongruous things that, anyway, but Tom, keep going on about her career, please. No, but it's just, I mean, we all know it, but it's, and then Murder, She Wrote, which was, when people watch television, it was probably the number one show for 10 years, CBS Sunday nights. Um, my mother loved it. You know who's still, whose favorite show that is to this day? RuPaul Andre Charles. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's funny because during the pandemic, I started watching it again. And it's like one of those love boat things where every episode, it's an Ethel yes. Merman. It's, a, it's, yes. it's some star from the Golden. And come to find out that it was a lot. She used a lot of these older stars who were um, still needed their. Um, they didn't work to qualify for their insurance. And yes, so she would employ them to keep them working yes. anymore from the 30s and 40s, and she would give them jobs so that they could keep their SAG insurance, which is just God. Whenever I'm watching Turner Classic Movie, as I do often, and I, I go on a, a Google search, you know, of the actors, they always they're like busy in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and then they did then they did Murder She Wrote in the 80s. <laughs> then it was Perry Mason in the 50s, Love Boat in the 70s, and Murder She Wrote. Definitely, yes. we can't forget that she was Miss Teapot and oh, and Beauty. I would say the role. Ben and broomsticks in which she single-handedly stopped the Nazis from invading Europe by by uh, singing uh, to a, a flying bed. But she was also my favorite movie, if you get a chance. It's called All Falls Down. And it's a 1960s movie starring Warren Beatty as her son. And Warren Beatty, and it's, it's very t- Tennessee Williams, Southern Gothic. And he plays a hustler who is obviously based on like a gay hustler, but they had to make him straight. Sure. His name is Barry Barry, B-E-R-R-Y dash B-E-R-R-Y. And the whole movie is, Barry Barry, is that you? Barry Barry, what the hell are you doing, Barry Barry? And it, 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 watching her be Warren Beatty's mother is absolutely hysterical. You have to see it if you haven't had a chance. It's so good. But you can find Beauty that on and TV, the Beast yeah. made her like immortal, right? Like generations and generations yeah. uh, will remember her for that. And she was and working course, on Broadway also, just a few years ago. Yeah, I was going to say Broadway, not only Mame, but she was an incredible gypsy. She was an incredible, I mean, what other ones do you know? What can you think of? Uh, I just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just intense and immense. And what a body of work she has left behind. And I know it's last week's news, but we just needed to have a moment to just walk down memory lane with the incredible career of Angela Lansbury. May she rest in perfection. Barry, 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 is that you? Please watch All Fall Down. It is so lurid in camp. It is one of the best movies of all time. 
You heard it here first. All right, let's move on now to number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I saw a movie over the weekend at the theater called Triangle of Sadness. It which, won the Palm. Which I thought was the fake movie from Bros. <laughs> talk about that. No, you're going to be hearing a lot about it come awards season. It won the Palm Door at Cannes. Uh, got a 10, 15 minute standing ovation there. It, uh, I saw it with a packed theater at 10 o'clock in the morning and people were laughing out loud and cheering and standing up and everything. It is a very brutal takedown of the fashion industry, the beautiful people, the 1%, the social media influencers, capitalism, uh, class inequality, gender differences, racism. It takes on all of it. It says that the tagline is something about how vanity is toxic and fortunes corrupts. And that's sort of what it is. The triangle of sadness that it's talking about is the um, area between your eyebrows when you frown is the triangle. And that's what you need to get your Botox in. But I think also the triangle of sadness probably refers to the 1% at the top of the triangle and the bottom half of it being the worker bees tom is trying very hard to show us his botox triangle of sadness. i don't have botox i'm very proud oh, you of like a rug <laughs> i know you have botox um anyway the main characters in this there's a, a bratty supermodel runway model who is a social media influencer and her boyfriend who is a male model and not quite as successful which sort of sets up the dynamic right there. And he's played by a ginger British actor named Harris Dickinson. Watch out for him. He is a superstar. He's so handsome, so good. Her name it was Charbly Dean. And she's so beautiful and so funny and so good. Sadly, a, couple, a week after the Cannes premiere, she died in real life. So this was her one song. We It was... Uh, they say it was a, a very fast um, uh, illness, but we don't know what it was or what happened. But she passed away right after the premiere. Um, the two of them are invited onto a super yacht, okay? And uh, the super yacht is um, in a. She has to like pose for bikini pictures on the deck in exchange for the room and board on the yacht. And the yacht is filled with like a Russian oligarch, a horny billionaire, a sweet elderly couple who made all their money in landmines and grenades. It's sort of like the, the 1%. And um, it's no surprise. You see, know it from the, the trailer that the yacht sinks and they end up on a deserted Island. And very quickly it turns into Lord of the flies where the 1%, the beautiful people are absolutely helpless. And there's a Filipino cleaning woman who takes care of the toilets who quickly takes over and all hell breaks loose from there because she is just ruthless. She's so good. And she takes the hot supermodel hunk for herself. She says, you're coming with me. If you want any fish, if you're going to eat any of fish, you're coming with me, bitch. And you're going to get me off now. And so it's sort of Lord of the Rings, Gilligan's Island. And it has an ending, which the whole audience, the lights came up and everyone went, what the fuck was that? And everybody immediately went on their, their phone and was like, what is the meaning of that? What happened? What happened? You, you will be talking about this for days, weeks to come afterwards. Watch out for it. It is You sold me. You sold me. All right. Let's move on now to number eight. Number eight. Well, I want to talk about a trio of horror films that you can stream from your very own home. 
Um, the first up, everyone's been waiting for Halloween ends. Well, yes. but before we even start, though, it's been so controversial. I hope you're going to address how controversial it is. Well, um, Halloween ends not soon enough for me. Um, I thought yeah. this trilogy was meh. Yeah. It was kind of weird because she now in this final film is all a writer. Jamie Lee Curtis is a writer and almost like Nancy Myers-esque when in the first couple of films that looked like she tended to farm animals all day. Like her yeah. Hair. <laughs> but I hear that they, was weird. Kyle Richards wasn't in it enough. They, we did get, you know, that meme of Kyle Richards and Taylor Armstrong from Beverly Hills. Uh, oh, with the cat. Yeah. The cat. We get like kind of a re another like a play to that with a character and Kyle Richards. No, but, I, but what I hear the problem is is that it leans too much on there's a hot cute boy that all the gays are going bananas for because he's got beautiful lips and he is sort of the stand in for Michael. He sort of starts killing people. I and said, Michael, I said I love those DSLs actually. Just yes, yes, DSLs, and he's very hot. But this sort of like. What we've been no told for 40 years is that Michael Myers is the supernatural creature who is unstoppable. He's a demonic, dynamic for, d- demonic force. And this, he's sort of like an old, frail man who's like on his last legs, and it doesn't make him scary anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad I just watched it at home on Paramount+. Plus. It is available to watch in theaters if you so choose. I want to point out that Nancy Pelosi is old and frail, but the Republicans are very scared of her. <laughs> That's true. Well, uh, uh, next up, Hellraiser. That kind of has names. Oh, yeah. And it's tr- another gay one, another gay favorite. Um, this one's on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. I watched the first two in the original series, like from the 80s. The last- second, both of them. The second one is so good. La- I watched them last Halloween um, in Provincetown. It was rainy one night, so we stayed in. And... I enjoyed them, but I didn't really understand the lore of everything. Like, this film is a reboot, and it's the first time that Pinhead is a woman. When in the books, Pinhead is genderless. Uh-huh. And there's actually oh. a theory that Pinhead is now the final girl from the original two. Well, wait, you know, there, there's a great, uh, there's a um, an Instagram star that's a Chihuahua pinhead. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> a Chihuahua dressed up like pinhead. It, it is so good. It is so funny. If you get a chance. This, uh, well, this film does a much better job at explaining the puzzle cube and oh, like yeah, its sure. configurations. We and have has, such delights in store for you. Yeah, it has like, they're all the configurations of the cube are given names and they correspond with a reward. But it's like one of those tricks that's not really a reward. I would definitely watch it for sure. Um, the third and final one is two. It's called Terrifier. Um, this one is streaming for free with ads on Tubi and Freebie. It's about Art the Clown who never says a word, but he's like super spooky nonetheless. Like super Bay movie, really bad shot, not very well acted. The gore isn't even that good. But I'm talking about this because the sequel just hit theaters, Terrifier 2, and it's an hour longer, which I don't understand. But they say that people are passing out and throwing up in it. Like USA Today Today has uh, said that. And I'm thinking, I haven't seen the second one yet. I'm planning to go later this week. But I'm thinking it's like 
a play by the producers. Well, you know, because famously in the 1950s, there was the Roger Corman movies like The Tingler and stuff where they would they would hire a nurse to stand in the lobby. People would would believe it because they saw the nurse or like like you would hear the stories about the um, the exorcist. Right. People were throwing up in the audience and and it would make it even scarier going in because you thought you it's just sort of they would they would psych you out by those things. I I guess it still works. It's still good PR to have a little throwing up in the theater for a movie. It's all P.T. Barnum. It's all smoke and mirrors. So tell us the three movies you watched again, Blake. I watched Terrifier. Terrifier 2 is now in theaters. I watched Hellraiser, which is streaming on Hulu. And I watched Halloween Ends, which is streaming on Paramount Plus or in theaters. It's Halloween month, people. There's there's some horror movies for you to watch. Um, We're about to take a break. Before we do, we ask Blake for a little trivia question to, to keep us our minds busy over the commercial break. Yes, sir. Um, I also want to say Drag Race Italia premieres premiered this week. It premiered last night on Wild Presents Plus at worldwide, except for in Italy where it's on Discovery Plus. So Excellent. sign up for Wild Presents Plus at wildpresentsplus.com. And I wanted to ask you, remember last week how Madonna was like, guess what? I'm gay. Yes. Yeah, all right. What celebrity was not at all surprised that Madonna said that? Because Madonna actually hit on her girlfriend. Oh, I remember this. All right. We'll have an answer to that. Plus, we'll continue the countdown of the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow. This is the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And we're back. Counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. But before we do, Blake asks us a trivia question. Ask it again, Blakey. Um, last week, Madonna said, well, I'm gay. And this celebrity said she wasn't surprised that Madonna said that because she act- Madonna actually hit on her girlfriend, who is the female celebrity. I'm going to guess if Sarah Paulson said it and Madonna was hitting on Holland Taylor. <laughs> like that. I'm gonna say it was Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know who the girlfriend was. Another really, it's funny because um, you know, I would say that you know, Sandra Bernhard, Rosie O'Donnell, and Ingrid Cazares all have firsthand knowledge of this. So who would it be that would this who's this that's so surprising? Uh the mistress of the dark. Okay. Oh, Elvira, right. I did see that. Cassandra Peterson. Yeah, I love how you tied in Elvira, Halloween, Madonna, lesbianism. You did a really good job. Thank you. Thank you. I try. I still (laughs) want to believe that Madonna was hitting on Holland Taylor. (laughs) I want that to be the celebrity couple of the week. We don't know that she did it. (laughs) True, true. It's a visual that's hard to get out of your mind once you plant the seed. Thank you, James. I like that. I see them right together in my head right now. (laughs) Um, Let's move on now in the countdown to number seven. Number seven. I have some plugging to do, and this time it's personal, you guys. Well, can my you cousin, do it in private this time? I, my cousin, Ben Fuller. He's my cousin Candy's uh, son, so that makes him my first cousin once removed. He is this remarkable young man. He always has been. He grew up, uh, you know, as his mom's a school teacher. His father's a dairy farmer. He grew up on the farm, like literally going to school and doing all those things and coming home and milking the cows and plowing the field. Just remarkable and beautiful and tall and friendly and musical. And for most of his 20s, he did what I thought was an incredible career. He made um, he did stonemasonry, but like stone walls without any glue or mortar it was just like oh, right yeah 
and we have a beautiful at our cottage we have a beautiful fireplace from him and he you know he lives in vermont and so many people are building whatever it was this incredible career well at 30 he woke up one day uh in 2018 it was like you know i'm not doing what i want to do and now is the time to follow my dreams and he wrote a song or a bunch of songs one of them called dirt road to nashville and he left and he went to nashville to try to make it as a country western singer and in the past, so he's there for three years. He had some good breaks, some tough breaks. It's a hard thing to do. He's working hard doing what he had to do. And then he was born again. He had uh, experience with his own sobriety and whatnot. And he was with a family and he has found Jesus, which is interesting to me because I tend to, you know, I don't have that much experience with born again people. So I tend to want to categorize them and think less of them. But this is my cousin, Ben, and I know him and I love him. And he has now combined his music, his love of music and his newfound faith. And he has a song, he has a whole album out called Who I Am. And there's a single, and it's number one Billboard AC monitored, uh, number one media-based AC monitored. And I'm just so proud of him. And it's really, um, we haven't talked a lot lately, although we both saw Tanny Tucker together in Nashville right before the um, thing. But I just, I love him. He loves me. And I believe, I love, this is where people will love me and hate me, but it's like, I think Jesus is a great way to go. You know what I mean? Like people want faith. They want to have a story. They want to have a, a road to God. And I think Jesus and this prophecy, I think that's amazing. I just don't like Christians who think that I'm going to burn in hell because I'm gay or I'm going to burn in hell because I'm not Christian. Cause I think there's lots of ways. I think there might be one God, but there's lots of ways there. But uh, you guys listened uh, to his song. What, what, what's your, what would you well, take away from Ben Fuller? My takeaway from Ben Fuller is that he is a cutie patootie by God. He, he, no, I, I don't know what his, his politics are, his, but he is, he's cute. He's got a wonderful voice. He's got a great beard. He is just, and his, his the, the song is really good that I listened to. I am, support him 110%. And I'm with you that if, as long as it, it's, you, you, it's not in my face and it's not telling me I'm going to hell, you, you believe what you want. And that is fine with me. And if the music is good and the the video is good and he looks good, then more power to him. Yeah, Blake, but you 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 took a listen. What'd you think? I loved it, and you, I just want to reiterate, he looks just like my type. <laughs> so whether he is whether he knows it or not, he's got the he's got some gay <laughs> approval. He is incredibly him. charismatic, and that's yeah. I watch him on on social media. You know, he's also doing. What I think all artists do, but especially in the Christian market, he is hustling. You know, I mean, he's on a truck. They drive. You know, there's nothing glamorous about what he's doing right now, but he's playing concert after concert, bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger, you know, opening for people, co-lining, headlining with people. But he's working so hard. And to see the reaction of the girls, especially, um, and some of the boys, um, uh, uh, to him and to his work, it's just really exciting. And it's op- I'm trying to stay open-minded to you know what turns people on i said this once before maybe but i went to a fantasia concert at the apollo years ago and she started invoking jesus and like i swear to god the holy spirit came into that you know like there was a mood that shifted there was a power and i thought again i was at odds because i'm like well that's weird i'm not one of those weird christian evangelical people but like i I, you know and maybe it can be explained away you know with science but like there are moods and and connections and the Bluetooth of people and souls that really uh, turns me on. So I'm glad Ben's having some success and, and, and hopefully spreading uh, the good word of Jesus who said nothing. Jesus said nothing about homosexuality. Jesus said nothing about abortion. So 
you can lower well, those on your, your where is it available and what's the name of the song again who I am is the album. Who I am is a single. There's lots of other songs. He's everywhere. He's on YouTube. He's on Spotify. Ben Fuller. Thank you for asking. Perfect. All right. Let's move on to number six. Number six. I watched a spooky series over the weekend on Netflix called The Watcher. I don't know if you've been hearing about it, if you've been seeing anything about it. It stars Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale, who is just so yummy. Oh. Uh, he is like my favorite. Oh, he's so happy. Oh, he married to some like socialite friend of yours. Oh, uh, he was married to he was married to my friend Jenny, yes, and they have a son, and their son is just the best of both their genes. Wow. <laughs> oh, I should you're gonna have to cut that out because it'll sound like I'm skeeving on on my, my friend's son. That's not what I'm doing. Oh my god, take that out, Blake. Anyway, yes, he was married to my friend Jenny. He's very, very handsome. Um this is a couple who buys a spooky old house. We know how that goes. Um, very quickly, they start getting these letters in the mailbox from someone calling himself the Watcher, who seems to know very intimate details of their life that they, he could only know if he was like in the house watching them, something like that. It's a, based on a true story that happened in 2014. I remember reporting on it on the wow report. It was, uh, it happened over this course of a couple of years where this couple kept getting these letter after letter, after letter from this very spooky, spooky man. Eventually they had to leave the house. It's, um, also, it stars Ryan. Uh, it is directed and produced by Ryan Murphy, which means that there's a lot of great stunt casting. He's so good at casting. Uh, Jennifer Co- 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 Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge is the real estate agent. She's so funny. Uh, Mia Farrow is the crazy next door neighbor. She's so good. Uh, the other two crazy neighbors are Margot Martindale, who you know if you see. She's a she's a big character actress. She's so funny. And Richard Kind, who is another character actor. I love Richard Kind. Kind of feels like it's seven episodes. It feels like it could either be three episodes or a movie. I don't know how I've only seen two episodes. I don't know how they stretch it into seven. I hear that there's some flashbacks with previous owners, blah, blah, blah. But the problem with it is, and this is another spoiler, 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 that it ends and you don't know who the watcher is because in real life, it's an, it's an, uh, it's a cold case. We have no idea who the watcher was. So the movie, the, the TV show just sort of abruptly ends and we don't get any closure, which is a problem, especially if you've invested seven episodes into it. And it's, it's easier to do that. If you've only put two hours into it, like a movie, you can have like a, what the fuck ending. But with its series and you've spent all this time with it, it feels a little. Well, maybe this is like unsolved mysteries and and the watcher will step forward. Well, maybe, maybe it will bring some new ears and eyes onto the case. Maybe there'll be a a podcast that will sort of because the, the, the cast of characters who it could be. It could be anyone. The, the police chief is really weird and knows all sorts of weird things about them. The The neighbors are weird. There's uh, a, a guy who is installing the cameras and the, the security system that's weird. Like, it could be anyone. Right. So I, um, I have to give kudos to Ryan Murphy, who, between Dahmer 
And The Watcher, I think, has the two most watched things on Netflix right now. He does. And he made he got that billion-dollar deal with Netflix. Whoa. And he has been pumping out, like, the politician was him. Uh, I mean, he's he's been doing so many things. You know, there's a new feud coming out. Um, I mean, he's got so many things in the world. But I think these two have put him on the map in a way the others have it in a good way. I think yeah. he's he's really uh, he's really uh, captivated the world's imagination for better or worse. Well, um, definitely. And, uh, and you know, uh, next week he start uh, next week uh, or I mean, this week later in the week, American Horror Story: New York City is coming to FX. And yep. that uh, I think we're gonna have to talk about that next week because I've heard some things that are <laughs> so Ryan Murphy dominates with the Watcher on Netflix, uh, and the and the ending has been spoiled for you. Thank you for listening to the Wow Report. Um, <laughs> let's move on to <laughs> number five. Number five. Um, I went to a little concert last night at the Greek which I have to say is one of my favorite venues in the world. Um, did you guys know that it holds just under 6,000 and the Hollywood Bowl holds like 17,000? I didn't realize it was that much smaller. Yeah, well, they pack last, us in. Last night, I went to see Carly Rae Jepsen, who is one of my favorite pop artists of all time. and Underrated, are, underrated. One way, hit wonder. I try to tell James all the time to just like listen, but it's like, I don't know any of these songs because they're not on the radio. I'm an old woman. What can I say? I I mean, I listen to Coast 103.5, Carrie Steele. If it's not on Carrie, if it's not on Carrie Steele's Hour of Power. uh, Well, she did do Call Me Maybe. So you would have at least known one song. I think I I might have heard of that one. Yeah. Well, there are actually four full length albums full of like, James, I tell you, if you maybe not the first listen, but if you put them on, they will they are earworms that will I'll tell you what, like I will tell you what. I will listen to a Carly Rae Jepsen album if I can collate a few B fifty two songs for you to listen to because you refuse to listen to B fifty twos. You hate it. And so I want to show you that there are some really good B-52 songs out there, that, except for, you know, you've only heard Rock Lobster in Tin Roof. So Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, I will listen to Carly if you listen to some B-52s. Okay, but I'm telling you, like, it's just maybe not hit after hit, but bop after bop after bop after bop. She um, did, it's like a, she has a new album called The Loneliest Time coming out on Friday. So we were kind of worried that all of these songs would be songs that we didn't know from the new album, but it wasn't that at all. It was kind of like a greatest hits hour and 45 minutes at outside at in Griffith Park at the Greek. It was amazing. Rufus Wainwright came out. She's on the latest, the, the title track to her new album, The Loneliest Time, is actually a duet with him. So he came oh, yeah, out. I've seen that. He's um, so good. And she, were, the, were the gays just going bananas? Were, bananas. It was, um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I sang every song. Tom, she's also a big cat lady. She even, she let us know that one of the songs that we all love, Now That I Found You, is actually written about her cat. That is the so, most exciting thing I've heard all month. <laughs> Go see this tour if it comes near you. And... Just a little tidbit. I might have heard a little birdie tell me that our people might be talking to her people. So we'll see. Maybe she may end up on a little show called RuPaul's Drag Race. 
Wow. Spoil. Like, we're going to have to fire you now, Blake. This is so uncomfortable. We're going to finish the I show. Know. Gonna... You signed the freaking NDAs, baby. Yeah. I don't know what you think oh. you're doing. Talking on the national I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. <laughs> I know. All right. Now, well, good three stuff, people, have, the three people who are listening know what World of Wonder is up to. Well, no. <laughs> Edward in our talent department just said that. <laughs> We yeah. love her. We love her. I think we've done her. We've done at least two lip syncs from her. But anyway, Carly Rae Jepsen uh, on tour, still on tour. Catch her if you're if you're James St. James and you're uninitiated. There's four albums to catch up on. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're about to take a break. Anything to plug, Blake? Yes, of course. Uh-huh. Canada's Drag Race. Yay! Canada versus the world premieres on Friday, November eighteenth. Um, on Wild Presents Plus, excluding Canada and the UK, where it will be on Crave in Canada. And what's it on in the UK, Tom? Uh, it's on BBC Three, I do believe. BBC Three. And you can meet the cast over at the on the Wow Report, or meet the cast in real life at RuPaul's DragCon UK. They're all going to be there. This is the second versus the world. We did UK versus the world. What's great about them is they're 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 a version of an international drag race. So it's Canadian queens, it's U.S. queens, it's queens from different franchises. Uh, it's it's and I, I hear from all accounts that it is spectacular, spectacular season. I love this like format flip. You know, like this country versus the yeah. world and move Keeps around. It fresh. Keeps it fresh. Yeah. All right. So it's yeah, before... RuPaul's DragCon at RuPaul'sDragCon.com. I'm sorry, I interrupted your plug. Um, so how about a little trivia question to keep our minds busy through the commercial break? You'll never believe what famous sisters are hardcore Alice in Chains fans. They were recently seen at a show in the front row singing every word. Interesting. All right, we'll have the answer to that exciting question. And we'll continue our countdown of the top 10 things that made us go, wow, Right after this, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Radio Andy's Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And we are back. This is the Wow Report. It's Tom Campbell. I'm here with James St. James and Blake Jacobs. Uh, Fenton Bailey is out of the country, but will be joining us again shortly. Um, We are carrying down the top 10 things that made us go wow. But first... We asked a trip. Blake asked a trivia question, a trivia question, a even trivia, a trivia, a, a trivia, trivia, a trivia question. Blake, repeat, please. You'll never believe what famous sisters are hardcore fans of Alice in Chains. They were recently seen at a show singing every word to every song in the front row. I'm going to guess the Olsen twins. I was going to say the Olsen twins, but then I was also thinking uh, Lindsay and Allie Lohan or Paris and Nikki Hilton. It's actually Venus and Serena Williams. Oh, oh I, very I surprising. Like to think of Lindsay Lohan and who was her sister? Allie. Oh, it was Allie. I miss Allie Lohan. Didn't she have a show? No, you're thinking of uh, Ashley Simpson. Oh, yeah. I miss Ashley Simpson too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come on back ladies um all right we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow we are at number four number four i was away this weekend this past weekend i went to my 40th plus one high school reunion oh and it Class was 
class of 81, but it was 40 plus one year because we didn't do it last year because of COVID. And uh, can I just tell you, it was the most beautiful experience. I've been back to some other reunions. I've always enjoyed them. There's something about, you know, we're all on the on the edge of 60, <laughs> except for Susan Drown, who's still 58, um, who she reminded us of that constantly. But um, uh, uh, Gail and Kirk, who were in our class, uh, uh, opened up their home to us. It was like a speakeasy. We drove to their house in this mountain, and then we went behind their house and drove on their lawn, and it came to this incredible top of a mountain expanse that had been cleared there was food there was we have local grinders which are submarine sandwiches that were being made for us from cronus market plugged best on earth and there was a fire pit for later and it was just really beautiful have not how many people how many people were in your class and how many people made it there were about a hundred people in my class a little over 30 showed up uh which is not so bad um the part i want to talk about which is odd is 19 of my classmates have passed away. Wow. And so um, this is usually the rest in peace thing, but it's like, it's quite a few. And, and and some recently and some, you know, a long time ago, life takes us all at some point. But Cindy, who happens to be the fire chief's wife, I hope I'm getting in trouble, um, who was also there, um, suggested, she did these beautiful memory boards for each of the 19 people. And she put little, you know, they were homemade. They were beautiful. She had pictures. She had quotes. And she put little sparkles on it. And the sun was setting because we were there from like night. And it was just beautiful and made us all pause. She also wanted us to do something that she'd seen before, which is you take these paper lanterns that yeah, are, you know, yeah, yeah. and then you, they have like a little like flinty kind of pad at the bottom. And we, so we took 19 of them with their names on them. And as the, as the sun was setting and we lit them on fire and the, the heat of the sets them free. Well, it was the most beautiful thing until I was going to say I, this always scares the hell out of me because they if if it's if it's fire season you have these burning bags in the wind. I usually see this on um, Bravo's Below Deck on like the back oh. on like at sea. So there's maybe no- that's where Cindy saw it. But the, I'm telling you, the fire chief from our community was sitting there watching, and it was the most beautiful thing. And we were also touched by it. And then one hit a tree. And just got stuck as four others were flying over the forest. And it was all of a sudden, and most people didn't care. They've been drinking. And three of us, Brian, Jim, and I were like, it felt like a movie like the pod people. Like they escaped. Oh, what were we thinking? It goes into a bunch of dry leaves. All hell can break loose. It it had rained the day before. It was beauty. By, by the way, the foliage in New England, we already know this. It's so beautiful. It's like one of the wonders of the world. So um, it, it we didn't burn down the town. I, I kept thinking of those gender reveal parties where they caused, yes. like, you know, like it was just going to be awful. But there, that was the one panic. There was um, one couple, Dana and, and Dodie, have been, were high school sweethearts. They're still together. And I'm going to tell this story and hope it's not true, but they were, they have all kinds of great stories because they've been together for 40 years and they used to, in high school, we all did, they'd park, you know, they'd par- take Dana's car and they'd park and they'd make out and they'd go to this one location where they kept getting chased away by this one, this, this one person who owned the property. And so years later, Dana's at a party and that person that used to chase him away is at the party. He goes, whatever happened to that girl you used to, you know, make out with in your car? He goes, I married her. So that's a good story. And then <laughs> she was right there. And then there was two others, Mark and Susan, who are both happily married, but they I, I, they were high school girl, boyfriend and girlfriend. And just seeing them talk and just, it just, so many memories and all these different areas. And I just want to, if you'll indulge me, 
you know, we often use this number four for rest and perfection. I'm going to name off the 19 people from my class. I'll do it really quickly. You can think about people that you've lost, but uh, rest and perfection from the class of 81 Newport High School, Tammy Clark, Jody Ducharme, Derek Dodge, Kim Fowler, Sandra George, Stanley Glidden, Sandy Munsterman, George Payette, Frankie Pitkin, Ed Thornton, Sandra Thorson, Keith Walker, Ralph Ingalls, Jim Jones, Keith LaFountain, Bill Beauchene, Billy Crimes, uh, Paul Clark, and Larry Valcor. Rest in perfection. We're moving on now to number three. Number three. Number three, I want to talk about Ice Cream Gate, which I don't know if you've been following. Um, what happened was uh, the Daily Mail, you know, as we head towards the election, the, the media is getting more and more crazy and, and trying to, you know, get their clicks and their clickbait and everything. And the Daily Mail, which is rabid and nutty in the best of times, has gone <laughs> full, full steam. And they had their main headline, the top of the page. The big headline this week was Biden is slammed for saying the economy is strong as hell while eating ice cream uh, despite 40-year inflation. And the eating ice cream was in all caps. Like it was the most outrageous thing that a president could ever do. And now... Okay, first of all, I'm thinking when I read that, I'm thinking, are they trying to make it like an Obama wearing a tan suit? Are they trying to rile the Republicans up? And then I remembered what great luck the Republicans, the right-wingers had when Nancy Pelosi had expensive ice cream in her expensive freezer. Do you remember this? During the start of the pandemic, there was an interview, and she was standing in front of a very expensive refrigerator, and she took out her very expensive stone, stone creamery or whatever, and the Republicans went bananas. And when I tell you that the commenters, first of all, on the Daily Mail are made up of Russian bots and right-wing MAGA crazies, okay? Right. And that's just what you're going to get if you go to the comment section. I go to it all the time. I want to read you what happened when they put ice cream in caps. First of all, um, so some of the comments were, uh, let me see. I haven't been able to afford to take my family out for ice cream in many, many months. Must be nice, Biden. Um Someone else said, how much did that big fat ice cream cone set you back, Joe? Uh, Bet a lot of families would like to take their kids out to ice cream, but can't afford it. But remember, the economy is strong, right, Joe? Um, Someone else said, I can't afford to eat out. Uh, I can't afford to go to the grocery store, but Joe Biden is eating ice cream. Someone on then Twitter started getting into it and said, Joe Biden saying the economy is strong uh, while eating ice cream is so tone deaf. You got to think the Republic or the Democrats are trying to lose the election. So then the next day, Herschel Walker, the big headline was Herschel Walker was asked to say something about Joe Biden. He said, the only thing I can relate to Joe Biden is that he likes ice cream. And then it started all over again (laughs) and it went on and on and on. And Twitter started doing this whole, I can't believe he can eat ice cream while the, while the world is plunging into darkness. Uh, Gas is high, but he eats ice cream, blah, 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 blah. Just a little helpful hint. If you don't have enough money for ice cream, you can do what I did as a child and you can take Kool-Aid and pour it into Tupperware uh, things and freeze them in the freezer. And it costs just pennies. You had to walk in bare feet up in a snowstorm six miles uphill. In a town town filled with arsonists. He's from New Hampshire. 
Exactly. All right. Thank you, James. Uh, Blake, what you got for us at number two? Number two. Nope, nope, nope. It's me again. It's me again. Ugh. I'm taking over. Um, I wanted to talk about another scandal that happened last weekend. The Van Gogh Vandals. I don't know if you were paying attention to this one on the news. Sexy. It sounds sexy. Sexy, sexy. Last weekend, uh, two climate pro- protesters from a group called Just Stop Oil um, uh, threw tomato soup onto Van Gogh's sunflowers at the National Gallery in London. And the gallery said that the work was unharmed because there was a glass partition between the painting and, and the soup. Uh, there was some minor damage to one of the frames. The, the two climate protesters then super glued their hands to the wall, which is something they've been doing around town. Um, uh, they were able to get that, you know, the police were able to unstick them. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but they said they did it to generate publicity and create debate about climate crisis and um, the actions needed to stop it. Uh, they de- later delivered a speech asking visitors if they were more concerned about protecting the art or protecting the planet, which, fair enough, it's, 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 it's a good debate to have. It's, it's, it's a good starting point, I suppose. Interestingly, uh, reactions to this online in, in Twitter and social media uh, sort of show the divide between over 40 and under 40. Now, older people were clutching their pearls saying, but what about the art? What if something did happen to it? It's a $50 million painting. What could, you know, why would they do, why would they purposely destroy art? Van Gogh has nothing to do with oil. Why are you doing this to a, a priceless painting that has nothing to do with your cause, which makes sense. But then the younger people were essentially saying three things. Number one, they were saying, um, who cares about a dead old white cis man who died a hundred years ago? It's not that big of a deal. Um, the other people were saying, you know, nothing happened to the painting. Quit freaking out. This is a tempest in a teapot. Well, young people don't say tempest in a teapot, but you know what I'm saying. So, and then the other people were saying, you know, what is more important, art or the planet? And, it, you know, in the long run, if there is no planet, if nobody's around, art doesn't really matter. The big thing is the problem now is climate control, climate crisis. We've got to take care of this. Now, I remember I clutched my pearls a little bit when I heard about it. And I because I remember very distinctly when we were bombing Iraqi museums and we were losing priceless art there. And when we bombed Syria and the, the, you know, we lost all sorts of museums there and priceless artifacts from the, you know, dawn of time, uh, you know, and things like that. And it does matter. And art does matter. And uh, you know, Van Gogh does matter. And so I'm a little, it's a toss up for me. What do you, I mean, I, have never been someone who's on the front line of anything. Protesting. No, but I, 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 I so, um, I've always been a people pleaser, whatever reasons I am. So I'm so glad there are people who sometimes even irrationally in certain ways, protest who bring attention to a cause who fight, you know, there used to be people when I was growing up who would chain themselves to the nuclear power plant that was being built in New Hampshire, which unfortunately was still built. But I thought like, those are like I don't think I would ever do that, but thank God that they're out there physically putting themselves at risk to to make a point that I believed in. So 
and I, and like we we lived through the AIDS crisis when people when it literally changed the narrative and the way the government works and things like right. that by by throwing your dead bodies on the 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 steps of the park, so you know, I, I I support people that are radicals and and have a point to make and our climate stuff is just disastrous and no one's paying attention to it and I'd hate to have the Van Goghs although don't get me started about how overhyped art is art's very important but the commodification of art and why no. one painting is worth like a billion dollars and one, you know, is hanging in my apartment. I don't understand the difference. Um, yeah. uh, but whatever. And plus we got that Van Gogh experience now. So you can just go to any empty, empty <laughs> storefront and just walk around and be in the sunflower or something silly. Um, that's, that's my takeaway, but let's, I hadn't heard about that. Um, it, it's more interesting and more edgy, more political than ice cream. You know what I mean? Like it's at least they're yeah. they're doing something that I don't know. God bless them. There, there seems to be more. When I was in London, there seems to be just many more protests in the street, and there, it feels like a very active um, uh, issue there. And it doesn't opposed not feel to that the apathy better. that we have here in the states, yes. which is a whole problem on itself. We're gonna take a quick break, very quick, and when we come back, we will v- reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. This is the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, and we're back. We're ready to reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. James? Number one. Well, a couple of celebrities behaving badly made the news this week. Uh, number one, it was James Corden, who uh, was nasty to a server at Baltazar, which is uh, Brian, no, Keith McNally's restaurant in uh, New York. Keith McNally is super restaurateur who has the most famous, uh, most fabulous restaurants in the world in, in New York City, Pastis, um, I, I can't even name all of them, but Baltazar. And James Corden uh, was br- brutal to one of the waitresses there. And on more than one occasion, presumably, it was a pattern and of behavior. Said he, get, he got fries instead of a salad, and he went ballistic. Now, I have to say that everything I have ever heard about James Corden is that he is nasty to waiters. I've heard that from many food servers over the years. My sister worked in a food truck. He was nasty, 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 nasty to the people in the food truck. And they were crying and he was yelling at them, what idiots you are, blah, 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 blah. I've heard that he is nasty to the people on his set. He was asked in um, 2020 to name one person on his staff. He could not give one name of anybody who worked on his show. He thinks that they're all beneath him. I've heard really nasty things. But to his credit, there's a very famous story about him being nasty to a woman with a baby on a plane. And as he was deplaning, you realize that it was his wife and his baby that he had been being nasty to. There's a very famous story that you can look up, James Corden on a plane. But he did call up um, uh, McNally afterwards and apologize. And he has been on uh he has been reinstated back into Baltimore. well and i've heard that he's told talked himself about like how after gavin and stacy he was a big asshole and even family and everyone well he has been if you hear british people too british people who have worked with him will say nasty and the people who when he was on the broadway show uh he's had some really bad press there too it sounds like he has some issues that he needs to work through I have worked with him a couple of times in passing. He's been nothing but cordial. Just giving you my personal experience. Okay, but. But I don't, I, don't, I don't discount what you said. I'm just letting you know my, my experience. And the other thing is, 
he was in the movie Cats. He's just lucky to be able to walk around with the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were a waiter and somebody from Cats made fun of you, couldn't you just make Cats jokes and be out of it? Fight back. I do have to say that the people who support him and the people who say he's been nothing but nice are all rich and famous people. He is nice. Thank you, James. Thank you for finally recognizing my fame and my richness. We've said this before, I think, after Cats. I think I I talked about this. And he is not going to be nasty to the casting director, you know, and the the director and producer of, of RuPaul's Drag Race. He's just not. So, so I, I discount that, but I do believe if we're, if I'm going to be generous to him, that he recognizes now that there are some issues that he needs to work on. The other story of, of the week was um, Declan Lopper, not Declan Lopper, Cindy Lopper's son, Declan. Yeah. Was it Lopper? He goes by Lopper. Yes. Declan Lopper, who is a rapper and a, um, a, a bad boy. And he stole a Mercedes yeah, he's 24. Yeah. He's 24 and he stole a Mercedes and he got a very light rap for it. What happened to him? He got like community service for five days or whatever, but you can just tell he's a little shit. We'll post pictures of him on, on the Lower board. LGBTQ plus icon Cindy Lopper's son is a little shit. According to Blake Jacobs. Well, it it is, and I can say that because I'm a grumpy old man now. <laughs> it is one of those things where, you know, so many chil- children of celebrities, they go through these phases where they try very hard to distance themselves from their legacy and their parents' legacy. And and hopefully he'll find himself and clean himself. Yes. In the end. Let's hope it's an isolated incident. And yes. On the way to happiness. Um, I think that's all the time we uh, we have for this week's show. Uh, Fenton Bailey, we miss you. Come back. And uh, James, always a pleasure. Oh, it's so good to spend time with you. Blake, usually a pleasure. Usually. And today was one of those pleasurable times. I'm being so It was one of the rare instances where we were all feeling happy and loving. From the beginning to the end. So tune in next week. We're going to be in a bad mood. I just know how this works. Um, Cranky bands. Cranky time. Thank you for listening. Everybody take care of yourself. And until we meet again, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow. Wow.